Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hung. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the evolving health IT career landscape. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 15 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. 20 years ago, did you think you'd be in health IT? <laughs> I did not think I was going to be in health IT 20 years ago. Did you know ago. health IT existed? I don't, 20 years ago. Oh, no. Man. 20 years ago, I was training to be an engineer, you know, more than 20 years ago, but training to be an engineer. And uh, and I thought I was going to be like a, a in the IT side of engineering for a while. Um, yeah. So <laughs> well, that's where I was. Ago, I, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't even graduated. So I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself, which is a good thing. I'll take that. Uh, but yeah, you know, so I was still in college and I, healthcare was the furthest from my mind. I, I, mean, I had a buddy who worked in health IT. I didn't realize that's what he worked in in high school. He worked at Intermountain and his dad, his dad was CEO of Intermountain. So he, I think he got him the job doing programming at Intermountain. So I kind of got like this flavor of it, but not really like, I wasn't thinking about healthcare at all. <laughs> no, I came, I came into healthcare actually through the payer side. Um, I actually got more familiar with the payer side of the businesses mm. and, and that whole world. And then, you know, kind of got introduced to the provider side, um, you know, doing a lot of workflow stuff and digital imaging type stuff at the time, right? A lot of paperwork back then was still being done. So scanning claims and routing them around in the, in the insurance company. And then of course, working on the provider side and scanning those patient intake forms and all these <laughs> other things. And, uh, you know, so that's how I got introduced to healthcare. And I, I mean, I just remember on both sides, just how messed up it was, like how, meaning, I mean, not how messed up in terms of like how broken it was, but just more of like how much regulation there was and how much that dictated how people did or didn't do things and how that really was unlike any other industry other than the aerospace that I was familiar with. Right. Like, so that to me was sort of the wake up call of, wow, this is like so regulated. And a lot of the reasons why people had to do things, even though they wanted to fix it, they couldn't because this report had to go to the, <laughs> the state in this way, right? Like, and it had to be faxed and there was no other way around it. And even though you could do it electronically and I don't know, I just remember those early days kind of thinking that. And was this for U.S. payers or was yes. this for Canadian healthcare companies? No, it was U.S. payers. It was okay. for U.S. payers. Yeah, that's interesting that, you know, I was working in Hawaii of all places. So, you know, no one's throwing a pity party for me, but I was working at BYU Hawaii doing IT support. So I was really going down the road of higher ed IT. I mean, that was kind of where my career had taken me. I started worked in the data center throughout college. So, you know, had all of that became sysadmin type position, did some web stuff as well. But so I was working at BYU Hawaii and we wanted to come back to the mainland. We wanted to get off the rock as we call it be closer to family have more things to do on the weekends etc so i was looking all over wherever family was where we'd lived previously you know all of those different things and as i looked around um you know i ended up getting a job at a higher ed organization it was at unlv 
but it was in their health and counseling center. In fact, when I went to interview for the job, they said, okay, tell us about your healthcare and experience. And I think I made some stupid joke that was like, well, I've been to the doctor. <laughs> they, I, I, they, they weren't pleased with that answer, <laughs> but uh, they hired me anyways. In fact, they said that, you know, once I got hired, they said that was kind of the choice uh, was, do they want the more technical person or do they want the person with a little bit more healthcare experience? And they decided to go with the tech person, thankfully. So uh, I got the job, but it was fascinating. I mean, I remember in Hawaii when I was telling people, yeah, I'm moving to Las Vegas, you know, and I got this new job and I would tell people, I was like, how cool I'm working in healthcare. And like to think if I do a good job, right. If I help them be more efficient or treat a patient better then I could help save someone's life. Like I remember saying this to people because that was my hope. And that was kind of like my entry into healthcare. And, you know, maybe I was a little bit uh, <laughs> ambitious, I guess. And it wasn't sure of exactly what I'd accomplish, but that's what I was feeling at the time. No, and I think, I, I think to a certain degree, that's still the case, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I know healthcare is a machine and it's a money-making machine in certain places and things, but I think the majority of people like the fact that they could work at a place where the bottom line isn't the number one, you know, uh, job or that that paying stakeholders is the number one job, like it is at a lot of for-profit companies where that is the one thing you're beholden to. Sure. So I think it fe can feel good when you're like, hey, yes, a part of my day is going to help a doctor do their job better, which in turn helps them do a better job with patients. Um, or I'm, I'm working on a new innovation that's going to help patients with, you know, like the, their cancer journey or something like that. There's a nice feeling to, to that along with, you know, the, the financial side. So I can, I remember the same thing. Like I, you know, having a job in healthcare, my first one, it was that nice feeling of, okay, it's not all about the bottom line here. Like we're actually doing something that's going to help somebody down the road. And that felt, it felt nice. Um, yeah. It felt good. It is a rosy view. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely more jaded uh, <laughs> all of these years later because the business of healthcare gets in the way of that so often. So I, I think that definitely makes it a challenge when it comes to that. It was interesting. I saw a recent tweet from a health healthcare IT investor who talked about a lot of people getting into digital health, uh, you know, as a broad category because they were sick of these other industries where they thought they weren't making a difference. It'll be interesting to talk to them five years from now. <laughs> and I think the issue isn't that we can't make a difference in healthcare. I think the jadedness, if you will, is more around how hard it is to really make a difference in healthcare and that it's not as easy as flipping a switch because you have to do all the regulatory things, you have to ensure patient safety, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that that's where it gets challenging. It's not that you no longer feel like you're making a difference, but that it's just a lot harder to make a difference than you thought previously. Yeah, for sure. I think you know, first of all, I think it's a growing industry. I think it's one thing to say, talking about careers. I think being in healthcare period is, is a wise move. I mean, it's only going to get bigger. We haven't yet to bend that cost curve, right? So and there's going to be a lot more attention being put on healthcare over the next few years, you know, even, even on top of the pandemic that we're living in right now. So I think going into healthcare, any part of healthcare, but in particular health IT is a, is a wise move. The question is for me, you know, that I get asked a lot is, 
well, should I go and work at a hospital or should I go work for a technology company? What about a pharma, you know, where in healthcare? Cause there's so much, so many different areas. And of course you should follow your passion, but you know, I will say this, that over the last couple of years, you know, we've been hearing a lot more stories around how hard it has been for hospitals in particular to keep health IT staff, mm. like, because they're all leaving to go join vendors, right? And or they're leaving to join consulting companies or, or form their own consulting company. We saw this during the EHR craze where all the Epic people who worked at hospitals up and left and joined, well, joined Epic, frankly, or joined consulting <laughs> companies consulting helping companies others. Form, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we're seeing the same thing now uh, happen again with people who know interoperability, with people who know all these other intricacies of, of hospital operations from the IT side, they're leaving to join other vendors. So the, the good news is there's demand, right? There are lots of jobs out there at hospitals because they're seeing this out, you know, the outgoing people are joining these vendors. So um, I definitely think that that's uh, something that uh, for the next few years, anyways, they're going to have a tough time recruiting all, uh, back these folks. Yeah. To your point, I would always tell people, is healthcare going to be around 20 years from now? Yeah. <laughs> is technology going to continue being used to improve healthcare 20 years from now? Yeah. <laughs> like It's like those two are, are eternal. I mean, it would be nice if we didn't have healthcare. I mean, imagine what, what a world would be like with no healthcare. I think we'd all be happier, right? If we were all just healthy, but you know, that's not realistic. But to your point, it, it's interesting the approach you go to a vendor the dark side, as I heard one CIO describe it, or to a provider organization, it is interesting that feeling of the dark side versus the light side of you, you know, and, and kind of that emotion around it. And, you know, my CIO friend was telling me he didn't realize how deep that was for so many people, uh, but it, it's real. I actually think that the best way is to start on the provider side and to really understand how decision-making works on the provider organization side or the payer side or whichever side of healthcare you're on before going to a vendor. Because if you go to the vendor first, you're not going to understand how deeply entrenched committees are <laughs> and how the decision-making process can be hijacked by 10 different groups within your organization. So I think it's a really valuable education to be able to be on the provider side and quite frankly, see this dysfunction in decision-making that was laid to bear actually during COVID as well. We realized, oh, you don't have to do that, but it is the culture. So, you know, understanding that difference is, is a valuable thing. Uh, and I think there is an interesting thing as well. When you're at a provider organization, you can have more direct impact than say at a, at a startup company or a digital health company, it's harder to see the impact you're having when you're there. For example, you know, if we talk about careers, data scientists are, are in massive demand. I don't know anyone that can't hire enough data scientists. And, but you know, if you work at a, a startup company or a, a health IT company that's a vendor, you could have a huge impact and you know what you do could scale across hundred organizations and that's pretty cool, but you're not going to see that impact the same way you will is if you're at a provider organization where you get to really go direct to the patient and help and talk with the doctors and see the impact you're having. That's interesting. You bring up data scientists, right? But that's definitely one of the hottest careers in health IT right now is 
we, we, you're right. We, nobody can hire enough data scientists, whether you're a provider or a payer or a pharma or, you know, health IT company, they all need them. Yeah. Uh, you're right though, in the sense that working for a provider, you probably have the most direct uh, impact, right? You can see the results of what you're doing on patients and the clinicians that, that care for them. So it is a nice feeling. And if that's sort of very important to you, then there's no better place than a provider for yeah. that. Unless you can think, get out of meetings, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> Assuming the thing. you can get out of meetings. <laughs> but, but another thing I'm seeing is, is actually a return back to uh, a job that I saw a lot when I first started, which is I see a lot of postings now for infrastructure-related um, and networking-related um, positions in healthcare because it's just gotten so complex, right? There's a lot of IoT happening now and just the standard Wi-Fi networks just aren't going to be able to handle it. So I think some of the hospitals are kind of ramping up for that, whether it's going to be the 5G trend or whatever. But I'm seeing a lot more postings recently for networking people, uh, you know, application server uh, administrators and, and people who understand that world. So it's kind of interesting to see that kind of come around again after 15 years of, you know, <laughs> yeah. of not being popular. And now it's all of a sudden popular again. A tricky position is the security positions. I see a really interesting moves from a lot of organizations where they're outsourcing a lot of it because they can't hire the person who has that security expertise and it's hard to hire into healthcare for security because every organization, non-healthcare needs those same people to help protect their organization. So you're not just competing for someone who knows healthcare data science, right? You're competing with every single company in the world, including the Fortune 500, including the government, et cetera, et cetera, for the security professionals. And so many of them are ending up outsourcing it to other vendors because they literally just can't hire the security professionals who have that experience. I think there's an interesting part of this uh, hiring process as well. And when you think about analytics, when you think about security, they're never solved. Like we're, we're never done with analytics, right? Like sure. it's not like, you know, I mean, the EHR, you can implement it and then you don't need your implementation team anymore. That happens and it, you know, it's a finite project that, I mean, sure, you, you need some ongoing support, but you don't need the massive people that you needed to implement it that, you know, the implementation phase is over and now you go to a different phase. With analytics, it's never done. You couldn't like give it say, oh, guess what? We've solved all the analytics problems in healthcare. We've analyzed everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you could always use more people going through the data, sifting through the data, understanding the data, running projects, aggregating the data, et cetera. So that's what's so interesting about it. And I wonder if five years from now, 10 years from now, will we have a hundred data scientists at a healthcare organization that are all studying it? Or will they just trust the vendors to do it? And all those data scientists will be at vendors and, and these healthcare organizations will just use vendors. Yeah, it will be a very interesting thing to see. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we're talking about careers in health IT. 
Yeah. And for those that are searching for health IT professionals, you got jobs to fill or those for searching for health IT jobs, trying to fill, trying to find your new position. Be sure to check out our health IT job board at healthcareitcentral.com. The good news is that at Healthcare IT Central, it's free. Whether you're searching for health IT jobs, it's free. Whether you're an employer who wants to post the health IT position that you're trying to fill, it's free for you too. We do have some premium advanced ones or resume database access, but posting jobs, searching for jobs is all free. So be sure to check it out at healthcareitcentral.com. Now, John, I have to ask this question because some would see this as sort of the pinnacle of a career in health IT, and that is the role of the CIO. I know you've been speaking to a lot of CIOs recently, but in your opinion, how has the role of the CIO in healthcare changed? It is interesting. As you mentioned, for our CIO podcast at Healthcare IT Today, we've been talking to a lot of CIOs and I always ask them a career question as part of it because I just find it fascinating. And what's interesting is how many of them didn't think they would be a CIO. So I think that was the the first interesting insight is they usually had someone else who saw them and said, one day when you're going to be a CIO, you're going to be great. And it was almost like this light bulb for them. In fact, one of them described it that way, that it was just like, oh, I never thought about myself as CIO. And that person infused that that value and, and that worth in them that, that gave them like, oh, okay, yeah, that could be my career path. So I, I think that was interesting to hear uh, from a number of them who their intention wasn't to be CIO. In fact, many of them are doctors. When you go to medical school, your goal is not CIO. Right. <laughs> but they ended up there just the same. But I think the role has changed. And I think that's actually an illustration of it. In fact, we see it in a number of the titles where it is the doctor who becomes the CIO, or it is the CMIO, the informatics officer who's becoming CIO, because CIO in the past often meant turn on my internet, make my email work, install my desktops. That's not what it is today. That's not what most healthcare organizations and those that are really progressive healthcare organizations they need all of that, but that's more of the CTO job these days, as opposed to the CIO. The CIO needs to provide business value and create partnerships by build or sell something that's going to impact the bottom line of the business. And that means digging into the workflow using technology that improve the workflow for the organization. Yeah, I, th- I totally would agree with you. For me, looking at the role of CIO it's gone from being very hands-on, you know, like, you know, run the wires, install my desktops, roll this out um, to much more of a coordinator role, much more of a role that's strategic um, because you just can't wrap your arms around everything that's going on in the hospital related to digital or internet or networking. It's impossible. The places have gotten so complex. So I see the role has changing much more into one where, you're managing meetings, you're managing teams, and it is truly more of a management position than it was a long time ago where you could stick the CIO in the, in the dark corner and you know they would be all right, right? Because they had a team of five and they just ran around the hospital installing stuff all the time. Um, it's no longer like that. So there's definitely been an evolution. You know, some would argue, is the CIO still uh, strategic enough? Are they, do they even have a seat at the table anymore? Is it the CMIO, right? As you said, mm. that, that's more there. You know, to me, it's just a title difference, but I think, I think everyone agrees that 
you know, digital health and the tools to enable healthcare are here to stay. And you definitely need somebody who's looking at that because there's so much advancement happening. And you want to make sure you're at the, at the forefront of that. Yeah. Let me describe it a different way. Hmm. 15 years ago, did, would you have ever considered, would a patient have ever cared what the CIO did? Like, do they care that the desktops are installed properly or that the network is effective or that the billing system was working? Like patients didn't really care. I mean, sure, eventually maybe the bill didn't come and there could be some issues there. Sure. But like you you never would have chosen a health system based on how well they implemented Citrix on their desktop, <laughs> which is what a lot of CIOs were doing, right? It was an important right, task. Yep. But now... The, a technology posture of a healthcare organization matters to a patient. If they can't schedule effectively with your organization, they might go somewhere else. If they can't get access to their health information, they might go somewhere else. If they can't do online payment, they might go somewhere else. So it, like, there's all these things, you know, if I have to go sit in a waiting room and fill out paperwork on, on, on paper, I might choose somewhere else. So I think there's all these things that now the technology projects that healthcare organizations are doing impact the patient experience far more than any of the projects we were doing 15 years ago. Oh, for sure. And then there's the whole regulatory environment that's changed, right? We never had the concept of info blocking before, and now it's here, right? We have all the interoperability requirements and places where this data has to go, whether it's the quality of, you know, the quality data has to go one place and CMS data has to go over here. And, you know, there is so much interconnectivity now that's happened versus, you know, before where the hospitals could still operate in isolation. So I definitely agree with you. I think before no one really cared except inside the hospital, yeah, what internally, the, what, it internally what the IT team was doing. <laughs> but now there's so many other stakeholders, patients, uh, government, uh, you know, state uh, insurance companies and so forth. So I think definitely the role has, has evolved over, it's gotten a lot more complex. Yeah. And then you think about the evolution of security, a, a breach of your email system, eh, big deal, problematic and, and all those things, but that's totally different than a ransomware incident that, takes out your EHR and you, you, you know, you literally can't see patients. So that importance has evolved in a big way. And, you know, it's amazing CIOs sleep at night at all. <laughs> we definitely, definitely have a soft spot for what they have to go through, which, you know, I, I know we're talking about a lot of the negative things, right? Like, you know, it's a, it's a pretty scary place to work in, a, in healthcare and they don't get a lot of love, the CIOs, but at the same time, they do have a lot of, um, uh, strategic value in the sense of they bring a lot of strategic value to the organization, right? Yeah. The, the, the tools you're able to choose, the direction you're able to go, whether you're going to go 5G or not, whether you're not going to, whether or not you're going to go with the Da Vinci robot or not. Like these are very big decisions that can have really, really big ramifications for your hospital, for your organization. And to be part of that, I think can be very exciting. Yeah, it's true. I mean, leadership is lonely. That's a, that's just the nature of leadership, but you also get to enjoy that if you do it effectively and you really work on digital transformation, which I think is what, uh, you know, the CIOs I talk to are saying, what's that digital transformation look like and how can I enable that for my organization and position us well for the future? 
that's exciting. And to think that you can do that and improve the care that many receive. I, I look at stuff like the sepsis work that people are doing to be able to identify sepsis early using the data. That's exciting stuff that really is changes. I mean, saves people's lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. So John, I know we're getting close to the end of the podcast here, but uh, let, uh, let me ask you this question. If you were talking to someone who was just getting started or wanted to get started in health IT, how would you advise them? Yeah, you know, it is hard because many of the positions that people are hiring for say needs healthcare experience. And how do you hire someone who, you know, knew <laughs> if it says needs healthcare experience, it, it's kind of a problem there. So my suggestion to people is to beg, borrow, and steal your way into some sort of healthcare experience. And I don't care if that's going to the CIO of the local organization and saying, can I volunteer for you? Can I work on a project? Can I, can I do an internship? Can I do whatever it is to be able to understand healthcare and show some understanding of it? And if you go to your local HIMSS, your local MGMA, you can find some of those people. Achi here in Las Vegas is really good. Uh, you know, so you find those executives and you say, hey, I need to gain some experience. Can I come and work on some sort of project with you? And so I, I don't know that it's hard when you don't have the healthcare understanding. And I get it. If you're a CIO hiring, you want to have someone who understands the complexities of healthcare because that is a huge part of your job. But uh, at some point you have to say, who, how, who are we going to train on the healthcare we need and bring them in? No, it's a great piece of advice is to try and get some healthcare exposure, whether that's at your local provider or through some other type of organization that's involved in healthcare. Definitely can help. And, and yeah, volunteers are always needed in healthcare. I'm not sure they're accepting volunteers yet on IT teams, but, but if you can get involved, at least on the, uh, on some of the clinical side, where maybe there's some digital component that can be very valuable. And just even being a volunteer in the hospital period, right. As you just said, so you can understand uh, the political side, how decisions get made, uh, how frustrated clinicians really do get at using some of these tools, right. And how frustrated patients can, can get. And that will all be very valuable stuff for you as you begin your career in health IT. Um, yeah, I think also the informatics programs out there, because at the core of pretty much every health IT solution is some sort of informatics element. And going to those, there's a lot of online masters in healthcare informatics programs. So you can do it from wherever. I know USF has one. There's one in Illinois that you know is, is, is well regarded. So there's a number of those out there. And what's interesting with those programs is the classes will teach you some of the healthcare knowledge you need and can be a proxy to say, hey, I have some healthcare expertise, even though maybe I was a business undergrad or, or an IT undergrad. But I think what's even more interesting, and this has always been true for education, is it's the people you meet in those programs Absolutely. that often are the most valuable or a project within that program, which requires you to connect with your local provider organization and become friends with them, get to know them. Those relationships from the projects and from your classmates can network you into, you know, which is essentially a tight network of healthcare IT professionals that will allow you to progress in your career. Yeah, I think for me, my piece of advice would just be simply get out there, apply for these jobs because there are lots of them and be open to the kind of job and the kind of organization. 
you know, I don't think at the beginning of your career, you can afford to be too picky. I mean, everyone would love to join the next, you know, Teladoc or, you know, whatever company that's on the hockey stick. Right. But, but, you know, there's so many places where you can be valuable and helpful in healthcare. And even though you might not end up at that rocket ship the first time, uh, you can get there if you spend a little time at a provider, spend a little time at a vendor, spend a little time here or there and getting a variety of experience. That would be my advice to someone is don't worry so much about the company or the organization, get that variety of experience. and That will definitely pay off down the road. Yeah. I mean, careers are so hard. Uh, you know, we even run the career site and sometimes I wonder how anyone finds a career. <laughs> you know, how do we match up these disparate, you know, people with your requirements? It, it just becomes so challenging, but you know, keep at it, grind away. That's how we all had to do it. That's our theme. That's our model, right? Keep grinding. Yep, exactly. Hey, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. Find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hong with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great day.